Good morning, Booker Tov. Welcome back to Living with Amuna. Wonderful to see everyone. I want to thank our generous sponsors of our Amuna series, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbin, in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer, whose Yurtzeit was the 10th of Adar. The Shir is also sponsored by Tammy Pruss on the Yurtzeit of Rachalaya, Bas Mordechai Tzvi, and Malka. Neshama Shadavan Aliyah. And thank you so much for the generosity and sponsorship. We are in Tiva Amuna, Rugamil Rabinovitz. Page Pay Bays 82. Before we continue there, just uh, to share with you, keep the emails coming. I love the emails that I get. Got a beautiful email from somebody about living with Amuna and how it helps so much. And they live in Israel. They needed a uh, passport. It was difficult to get an appointment. And they got it in Sterot. And then the rockets were falling, you remember, a few weeks ago. And they thought it would be canceled. And it was canceled. And not knowing what was going to happen, Sunday afternoon, it all seemed quiet. A friend wrote on the Yeshuv list, she's looking for someone who can transport milk to a young mother in Nativo, 10 minutes from Stay Road, who has twins but can't have formula. That's when I realized Hashem has planned for me. I needed to make this appointment in Stay Road so I could help someone else. Sure enough, Mr. Alapanim in Stay Road opened up Tuesday morning. My daughter and I left early to bring the mother breast milk for the babies. Everything went according to plan. She's even scheduled to get her passport two weeks before her flight. Thank you for the weekly reminders. Even though it all worked out, it wasn't so clear it would happen. And I found myself extremely calm, very not like me, knowing that he had a plan for me. I didn't send this email right away. Not sure if it's up there with others, but felt I would like to know how wide the impact is, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, living with Amuna. That's why we get together every week. Because living with Amuna brings a calm and a peace and a tranquility and a serenity that you're going to figure it out. By the way, speaking of passport stories, yeah. nobody's curious whether my granddaughter got her passport or whether my kids got back to Israel. I was told to post it on the Amuna WhatsApp group, but I did not. Baruch Hashem, Friday afternoon at 4.35 in Manhattan. Miri, Miriam Liba got her passport, and they left on Sunday back to Israel, and they're in Israel doing well. So Baruch Hashem, it all works out. And they were calm the whole time because Hashem is a plan. Life is an adventure. And we find out what's in store next and what was the worst that would happen. You'd have to delay the return until you got a passport, a day, a week. She'd have to stay with her Zayda for a little bit more time. There's worse things in the world. There's worse things in the world. So when you live with Amuna, when we work out those Amuna muscles, when we have the Amuna muscle memory kick in, you never get frazzled, you never get frightened, you never worry, you're never anxious, because life is a big adventure. And you're just waiting to find out what's in store. What's exciting on this next step? We spoke about it last Shabbos. For those who are here, When you view yourself as always being in Hashem's arms wherever you go, that was the drush of this past Shabbos, a beautiful insider of Chaim Shmulevitz. How could the Jewish people be described as being in one place when they went many places? I'm simplifying his insight. It was very technical. I'm simplifying his insight right now. But Chaim Shmulevitz said, you have a mother of a newborn baby. She's a businesswoman. She has to travel the world. She goes from Boca to Miami Airport. From there flies to Brazil, South America, South Africa, Australia, all throughout Europe and ends up in Israel. And after two weeks, when you check her passport, what does it say? Three continents, 20 countries. She's traveled all over the world. And if you ask the baby, where have you been? The baby says, I was in one place. One place the last two weeks? What do you mean? You were in three continents, 20 countries. He says, I was in one place. I was in my mother's arms all along. Emotionally, his passport is only stamped with one spot. He was in his mother's arms. True, she was all over. But when he saw himself being carried safely, securely, lovingly, affectionately in his mother's arms. That's the only place that he was. And we too have that ability. We don't know what twists and turns life's going to throw our way. We don't know how we're going to be redirected and rerouted, what detours will come. But if you know that you're in Hashem's arms, 
then you don't care. Because wherever the GPS tells you, reroutes you, detours you, but you're in Hashem's arms all along, so it's where you're meant to be. Safely and securely, it's what's right. It's where we're meant to be, and we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. There will be a tomorrow. There is no other choice. Sometimes, often, it's incredibly difficult or painful. The baby in the mother's arms, Chayesh doesn't write this part, but the baby in the mother's arms doesn't always appreciate where they are. If the baby in the mother's arms also has a big flight delay, or the AC on the, on the bus isn't working, the baby's also crying and miserable, but the baby knows he's in his mother's arms. So it doesn't mean as we go through life, we'll always be happy, we'll always be comfortable, but it means that we know that we're in our father's arms and he carries us in his arms. We know that there's a reason, there's a purpose, there's meaning, and therefore our life should be guided and informed and inspired by Api Hashem. Api Hashem Yachanu Api Hashem Yisau. Wherever we go, wherever this adventure called life brings us next, whatever's waiting in store, however this turns out, is what's meant to be, it's Api Hashem. I, uh, somebody sent me something else. I don't know the author of this, but I love it. So listen carefully. One evening, the prayers of a poor family were answered. There was a knock at the door and tens of people stood outside. Who are you? asked the father. I'm Simcha, happiness. This is Amuna, faith. That there is joy. This is health standing, there is success. And tough guy over there is power. We are what you requested in your prayers, he said to the stunned family members. But you're only allowed to choose one of us. The family members were perplexed what would be the best choice, success or health, happiness or power. Eventually the father went over and said, we choose Amuna. As Amuna started to enter the house, she was followed by all the other wishes. What happened, asked the astonished father. You said we could choose only one. That's right, explained happiness. But wherever Amuna goes, we all follow. Isn't that adorable? I don't know who wrote it, it's adorable. Wherever Amuna goes, we all follow. So we crave all these things in life. We want to be joyful and happy. We want power. We want humility. We want wealth. We want health. We want stability. We crave all these attributes. We crave all these components of a life. But there's one of them that they all follow, and that is Amuna. Reminds me of Rav Soloveitchik Alachuva. Soloveitchik says that there was a psychologist in Boston, psychiatrist, who came over to him and who said, I don't understand this Jewish yamim no ra'im, days of awe. Days of awe? Days that you're filled with fear and dread and fright and panic. He says, I'm a psychiatrist. I'm a mental health professional. I spend all my time trying to heal people from those very feelings and you're davening for them? Hashem, let us live with a healthy fear and awe of you. I spend all my time trying to, with therapy and support and heal people from that. And Rosalvechik said that this mental health professional, psychologist, didn't understand that there's one fear that can alleviate all other fears. There's one healthy fear that alleviates and provides relief from all the other debilitating and unhealthy fears. So whatever your fear is, your fear is public speaking, your fear of heights, your fear of failure, your fear of a health crisis, your fear of the government, your fear of war, your fear of whatever your fear is, if you surrender to Hashem, if you, if you accept Hashem in life, if we live with a healthy fear and awe of Him, then there's nothing else to fear because He's in charge, He's in control. So that one fear relieves and resolves all other fears. And similarly, if you choose Amuna, wherever you let Amuna in, everyone else follows, everything else follows. So it's a matter of the mindfulness and the consciousness to be able to make that choice when given all these choices of how to live and what to think about and who to be, 
Live with emuna. See the world through emuna. Filter the world through emuna. Interpret the world through emuna. And whatever's happening, Lisa's at the airport in Seattle right now, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, whatever's happening, I hope everything's on time and you have a good seat and there's enough overhead. But that metaphor of flights for life, whatever happens, it's an adventure. Api Hashem Yachanu, Api Hashem Hashem has to be with us wherever we go. Throughout our journey, throughout our encampment, He's the one who dictates when we go and where we go and how many legs our journey will have and how it will go and will we be rerouted and will we be detoured or will it go the way that we planned, how our itinerary will work out. It's all api Hashem. It's all from above. And the sooner we accept that and the sooner we lean into that and the sooner that we are mindful of it, the easier our ride goes as a passenger and the more that we're fighting with him over the steering wheel, the more we're in a power struggle over who sets the itinerary, the more unenjoyable the ride's going to be. So sit back and enjoy, and enjoy the ride. They tell, uh, they tell another story, another metaphor, of a person who had a lot of luggage who needed a ride. And so there was a person with their horse and buggy, and they saw that individual, this Baal Chesed, the uh, rat wagon driver, decided to do Chesed. So he stopped and he said, I'm happy to take you, I'm going there anyway. So he takes the person into his buggy, into his wagon, and the man sits in the back of the wagon and he's clutching his his luggage, his suitcase. So the wagon driver says, what are you doing? He says, you know, I feel bad. You are kind enough that you're giving me a ride. At least let me hold the luggage. <laughs> so the wagon driver said, either way, I'm carrying it all. You might as well put down the luggage and enjoy the ride. Either way, I'm driving. Either way, I'm taking you there. So you might as well put down the luggage and enjoy the ride. And whatever baggage that we're carrying, the baggage of our childhood and the baggage of our upbringing, the baggage of our history and the baggage of our DNA and the baggage of what is around us, our environment and the condition and the people, just put it down and enjoy the ride. Let go and let God. Understand, he says, I'm driving the wagon and I'm giving you a ride. So you might as well put down the luggage and enjoy the ride because you're not helping by... The tighter you hold it, the more you clutch it, all you're giving up is your happiness. All you're forfeiting and surrendering is your serenity. So you might as well put it down and enjoy the ride and enjoy the ride because uh, we're not in control. We're not the pilot anyway. All this reminds me that next week, Baruch Hashem, traveling to another Simcha, Wednesday, so this year next week will be Monday, Amir Hashem. We'll send out the reminder on the WhatsApp group. If you're not on the WhatsApp group, sign up for the WhatsApp group, get bonus Amunah material. Did everybody listen last week to the song? You, only you, you alone, only you, Hashem. If you didn't, you failed on your homework. You may have to stay after. But listen to that song. Listen to it on a loop. Listen to it while you're trying to get into a good headspace. Listen to it if you're forgetting to work out that Amuna muscle or your Amuna memory. Listen, you alone, only you. You alone, only you, Hashem. Okay, we're on page base. Lo lachshov ma yomru ha'olam. A person has to try to transcend this world and serve Hashem. We could live in this world, the here and now, only see what's on the surface, or we can transcend it and live in a world of possibility. A world, the Jewish people, we're not bound by what other peoples are bound by. We're not bound by rules of history. If we were, we would have disappeared, we would have been erased, we would have been exterminated long ago. We are not bound by the rules of history and the rules of nature. We're still here. We're still talking about it. So don't live in the here and now. We spoke yesterday in the parashashir. Don't hear the voice of the Meraglim in your ear, lo yachol, 
We can't do it. Hear the voice of Kalev, who stands up and says, Alo na'ale, ki nuchal. We've got this. That that if we will it, it's not a dream. There's nothing that is an impediment or will block us if we want it. So a person lives with Amuna, the Piazetzna Rebbe is Eish Kodesh. The Holy Piazetzna Hashem Yikom Damo, Schusso Yagen Aleinu, the Holy Piazetzna Rebbe. So he writes in his Eish Kodesh in the, the drushas that he gave in the Warsaw Ghetto that he scribbled on scraps of paper and they were buried in canisters and they were discovered in the Oinig Yontif archives underneath. Not all the canisters have been discovered. There might be more writings of the Piazetzna that we are yet to have. And anyway, 1940, Parshas Schlach, 1940, the French had just fallen to the Germans. German had conquered France. And he stood up to give a drusha in the Warsaw Ghetto in 1940, and it looked hopeless and bleak. And the Germans were marching, taking over all of Europe. France had just fallen. And what was his message? This message. The voice of Kalev. The lesson and the message of Kalev. He said, sometimes in life you're in a dire circumstance. And if you're trying to imagine and dream of a way out, and it seems beyond the realm of possibility, then you're going to give up. So stop trying to dream and figure it out. Because the more that you feel limited by the box called nature, science, doctors, statistics, data, the more that you're looking at the reality with the limited finite human eyes, and now you're narrowing your options until they disappear and there aren't any, then the more yeish, the more despair and despondency you're going to feel. But the point at which you can say, you know what? Ein mazal Yisrael. Hashem is above Teva, He's above nature. We are not subject to statistics and data. Kodesh Baruch Hu is beyond possibility. I'm letting go and I'm letting God. Yachol nuchal. And where did the Piazetzner come to this? Because he says, if you look in the Parsha, the Meraglim stand up, they grab the mic, got a huge attendance, and they say to all the Jewish people, you know, they're giants, they're very strong, they're fortified cities, look at the size of the fruit. They... they give out an entire list of very legitimate reasons why it's not going to work out. What does Kalev do? He gets up. He doesn't refute one of their reasons. He doesn't take on any of their very compelling arguments. He doesn't refute them and dissect them one by one. What does he get up and say? Yachol nuchal. Despite that. So what? Nevertheless. True. But we got this. Because he's got us. He's got our back. And as long as we surrender to him, we've got this. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you say, Yachon Nuchal, your problems will be cured. I wish it were that easy. That's not the world that we live in. Terrible, painful, bad things still happen to good people. And it's not so simple that if you say, Yachon Nuchal, you get married, you have the baby, you find the job, everybody's healed of illness. It's not so simple. And nobody should ever suggest it's so simple. This world is filled with unbearable pain and disappointment. But it means that how do we endure? Where's our resiliency come from? How do we navigate when going through a challenging situation? Like the Piazetzner who has to turn to this people. France has fallen. The Germans are marching through Europe. The Jewish people are being decimated and exterminated. And the Piazetzner gets up in the Warsaw Ghetto in 1940 and he says, Would you believe that in eight years they're going to declare a state of Israel and a Jewish army? Would you believe there'll be more Torah learned in Israel than ever before? Eight billion a population in Israel discovering medical breakthroughs. Don't despair and don't give up and march on when you embrace and allow Hashem in our lives. So Rav Gamliel writes, 
We have to leave Latseis Meha'olam. Don't be bound by the limitations and the boundaries of this world. The Jews, we don't live in this world. If the Chashmarayim lived in this world, they never would have fought. If Mordechai and Esther lived in this world, there'd be no Shushan. If the Jews in the Crusades and the Inquisition and the Holocaust lived in this world, we wouldn't be here. We're only here because we, we don't live in this world. We're not bound by this world. Don't be, don't live a life that is influenced by, by ego and by other motivations and by personal biases. By the way, remember last week I told you the story about the woman in Starbucks? And I said, you know, it's amazing. Non-Jews, they're not shy. They're not embarrassed. They don't hesitate. They're not ashamed. But you don't see Jews doing that. So I was at a wedding. I had the privilege of officiating a wedding on Sunday. And the two boys, often the chassan chooses friends to be the Eide Yichud. So outside the Yichud room, eight minutes and you knock. Eide Yichud are there. I feel responsible when I'm in a condition to, to be there also, just to help stand guard, still some paperwork. So these two boys are standing outside the Yichud room. And uh, I just danced up a storm, they're schwitzing. And one says to the other, you know, let's take a minute and daven for our friend, for his marriage. And the two boys embrace in a hug. And I'm standing there listening, eavesdropping. And I'm blown away. These two young men, these two boys, these two products of our community, embraced in a hug. Eyes were both closed. And they were each offering their own tefillah for their friend as they stood as eight day yichud. He was in the yichud room. And it lasted 10 seconds. And then they let go, and they went back to whatever schmoozing they were doing. And I was like, so I was wrong. I spoke Lashonar about Klai Yisrael. I said, only these women in Starbucks hold hands and pray on it. And look at these young men. Look at these boys, these Bachram, who, I don't know, they saw that modeled for them, that you hug and offer a tefillah for a friend in their moment of simcha. There's like a hundred remarkable things about this story hundred remarkable things about them. They don't know that I was watching. They don't know that I heard. I doubt they're going to hear this and know that how much I appreciated it. But, you know, everyone davens for someone who's in trouble. You daven for someone who's in dire circumstance. You daven for somebody who, undergoing surgery, was diagnosed with an illness, needs a shidduch, is trying to have a child. Here were two people who davened for their... These are both single boys. They have not yet met their pasher. But they said, let's daven for our friend who's... We're at his simcha. He's done. He's finished. He's, he's the lucky lottery winner. He's married and they're still not. But they didn't say, let's ask him to daven for us. They said, let's daven for him. I was, I was just blown away. And they hugged. They were also disgustingly sweaty. I was pretty blown away by that. They were still willing to hug. And they hugged. And their eyes closed. And they davened. Not for the camera. Not for the limelight. Not so that Goldberg would tell the story at his Munashir. They didn't know that I noticed. It was just a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. So that's what it means. We're living a different life. We're meant to be living in a different reality. We're meant to be living in a different plane, a different dimension. The whole world is living down here. The whole world is living in the, the stock market statistics and data and politics and politicians. And we're living in this place that says, Hashem runs the world. Hashem chooses leaders and politicians and who knows what tomorrow is going to bring and how things will play out and who will be left standing and who we're just we're, we're looking at the same world but we're looking at it through a different pair of lenses we're living it a very different life 
So Kozman Choshev Mayachshvalov. If the whole time you're thinking, what will the people around me so What are the people around me going to think? I can't interrupt this business meeting and make a bracha. What are you going to think about me? What if I lose the deal? What if I get fired? What if I don't get the job? Don't think that. You say, excuse me one second. I just want to say thank you for the food. I've never heard of anyone who did that, who the person opposite them didn't have more respect for them. I'm not saying you have to shuckle, and I'm not saying that you have to scream it and you're spitting on the person opposite you, and I'm not saying you have to say, pray with me, and I'm not saying, but properly, appropriately, sensitively, respectfully. It's the first sif of Shulchan Aruch, and we dive in it every day in Alat Tzadikim. Three times a day in our Shemona Esrei, we say, what do we say? Al Yevosh, what do we say? Don't let me be embarrassed. Let me, let me be with... Let me be with those who have faith and don't let me ever be embarrassed or ashamed. So I got a chap of mincha on the side of Yankee Stadium. I'm davening at the terminal in the airport. I'm in a place where I have to make an ashayatza outside the bathroom. I'm making a bracha before I eat because that's what a Jew does. Don't ever let me embarrass. Don't ever let me be ashamed. Don't ever let me hesitate to do the right thing about my business deal, but it's Shabbos, but it's Yontif but I have to shut down the website, but I have to get a heter iska because there's ribis involved in the deal. Don't ever let me be embarrassed or ashamed. We daven. That's what we daven three times a day. Let me place my faith in you, not in man. We daven in benching. Let me know where my real life and sustenance and health comes from. Everyone else is always so worried. What will others think? Will they follow me? Will they like me? Will they forward me? Will they hire me? Will they become a client? We don't live in that place. We do what's right, and we respect and we care. Says Rav Gamil, how many people think that they're worshiping Hashem when they're really worshiping themselves? When it's really about their ego, their desire, their drive, their name, their honor, their glory. And how many people even who are doing all the right things but are doing it for the wrong reason? And a Rebbe in Karen B'Avner, a Blachman, used to say, you know, life's like a circle and there are points all around the circle. And those points are davening, learning, chesed, staka, menshlechkeit, midos, all these points around the circle, boom, doing all the right things. But what, what is at the center of the circle? All those points on the circle, what do they point back to? At the center of the circle, is it Hashem or is it you? Is it that it makes you feel good, that's why you do those things? Is it because it gives you honor and glory, you're going to give your good kids good shiduchim? Is it because it gives you a good name or creates good business opportunities or helps your reputation? What is in the center of the circle? That's what he used to challenge us. It's great that you're in yeshiva, you're doing all the right things on the outside of the circle. Davening, learning, midos, working, great, wonderful. But what's at the center of that circle? Why are you the last one in the base medrash? Because you can't get enough of Hashem's Torah? Or because you want everyone to say you're the last one in the base medrash? Now, by the way, it's not so bad if that's the reason too. Not so bad. Shalolishma, balishma. Even if you're doing it for the wrong reason, not so bad. You'll come to learn to do it for the right or the good reason. Not so bad. But at least we have to have a self-awareness. You have to have self-awareness. You have to know yourself and your drive and your motivation and your love language and why you're doing what you're doing and constantly be reassessing and reevaluating and bringing Hashem back into the conversation 
constantly be saying it's about you. Really, Hashem. We have to constantly say to ourselves, Kafaf means that we have to surrender to Hashem. We have to submit to Hashem. It's about Him. It's not about us. We work for Him. He doesn't work for us. It's about His blue. Now, it happens to be that in working for Him, He's the best boss in the world. He's got the best benefits, pays the best salary, the most appreciative, and He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be happy. What a boss. We work for Him, but it happens to be that the work He asks us to do for Him is the very work that gives us eternity, netzach netzachim. The work that we have to do for Him that He asks us to do is the work that gives us the greatest fulfillment and happiness and joy in the world. There's nothing like it. It's the greatest purpose for why we're here. It's the best boss ever. So we have to know that we work for Him, He doesn't work for us. And we also have to know that the work He's asking us to do for Him is really for us. Is really for us. So, so when he says, I need you to take off its yantif, I need you to make a bracha, because it's going to make you appreciative and grateful and humble. I need you to dress modestly. It's as hot as anything in the summer in Boca, but this is who you are, and be dignified and regal and royal. When he says, I want you to do that, and I want you to do it for you, don't stop and say, but what will others think? Because I'll tell you a little secret. We wrote about this last week's article. What other people think about you is none of your business. <laughs> True. What other people think about you is none of your business. And we wrote in last week's article, there's a balance. We do have principle called marasayin. It is my business. If I go into Burger King to use the bathroom or get a cup of water, but others will misinterpret and mistakenly think you can eat there, or there's say dinim in marasayin. One halach of marasayin is you don't want to mistakenly mislead people and they're going to make do the wrong thing, that's one din. The other is, there's a halacha, you're not allowed to speak Lashon Hara about yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a famous story of the Chavetz Chaim, who was on a train to, from Raden to Raden, and somebody was on the train, and he said, it must have been to Raden. And uh, I guess he struck up conversation with the other party, with the other person. Where are you going? I'm going to Raden. Why? I want to go see the Chavetz Chaim. Oh, Chavetz Chaim, what do you hear about him? Ooh, he's the tzaddik of the generation. He's the greatest. He's righteous. He's modest. He's noble. He's humble. He's the greatest. Chavetz Chaim said, he's not so great. He tries. He tries, but he's not so special. He's not so great. And the man slapped him across the face. The Chavetz Chaim later said, I learned from this episode that you're not allowed to speak Lashon Hara about yourself too. We think about the prohibition of Lashon Hara gossiping about other people, and we should be strict and careful and vigilant. Don't gossip, don't speak Lashonar about others, but also don't speak Lashonar about yourself. False humility, this is what we're learning in Mesil Sasharim, before this year on Wednesday mornings. False humility is Lashonar about yourself. If you're talented, you're athletic, you're artistic, you're uh, smart, you have a great memory, you're creative, you're well-organized, and you say, nah, not so much, it's not so true, I'm not so great, that's speaking Lashonar about the gifts and talents God gave you. Ah, so isn't it arrogant to say, yeah, it's true, I'm artistic, I'm humble. I'm, I'm the most humble, it's true, I'm the most humble. Isn't that arrogant? So the Ramchal teaches, the Ran writes, no, the humble response is to say, Hashem has lent me talents and skills. I feel responsible with them. They're on loan and they could be taken back at any moment. So don't say, kochi v'otzem yadi, so a humble response is not to be in denial of the gifts that we're given. That's Lashon Hara about ourselves. 
The humble response is, Hashem has granted me some talents. I feel responsible to use them to my fullest, not to steal from Him by not using them. And I recognize every day and every moment they are on loan. They're not part of a permanent collection and they could disappear any moment. They could disappear any moment. That's a real humility. So not only are you not allowed to speak Lashon Hara about others, Chavetz Chaim said you're not allowed to speak Lashon Hara about yourself. Why did we get to that? Why did I say you can't speak Lashon Hara about yourself? This is going to be a group effort over here now. Come on, people. We're going to get there. You can't speak Lashon Hara about yourself. Oh, lo of ma'o, oh, because we were talking about Marasayan. Thanks? No thanks. We're talking about Marasayan. We're talking about Marasayan. Marasayan, we said it's fate dinim. There's two halachas of Marasayan. So I can't go into Burger King, McDonald's, even though I did nothing wrong. I just went to get a Diet Coke. I went to get a Diet Peach Snapple. I went to go get some Trader Joe's corn chips. I don't know if they sell them in Burger King, McDonald's. I did nothing wrong. But you're going to see me and think you can go get a, a hamburger. So now I led to that. I'm responsible for that. I have to care about Marasayan. But the second halacha of why I can't go in is you would never go near Burger King. You'd never go near McDonald's. You know that there's nothing there that's kosher, but now you're going to tell everybody, do you know the rabbi eats in McDonald's? So by going in, I'm essentially an accomplice to speaking Lashonara about myself. There's two rules of Marasayan. So on the one hand, you have to care what other people think because you don't want to violate Marasayan. You have to be nucky. You have to be pure in the eyes of Hashem and others. But on the other hand, what other people think about you is none of your business. If you can look in the mirror and live with yourself, you believe that Hashem, you find favor in the eyes of Hashem, then what other people think about you is none of your business. Don't read the comments. Don't listen to the buzz. Don't want to hear if somebody wants to say, did you hear what someone said about you? Say, no, I don't care. It's none of my business. None of my business what other people think about me. So a person, Rav Gamliel says, when you're trying to live a emuna life, a righteous life, you don't have to throw it in other people's faces. You should be shem shemayim shagor b'fiv. It's good to say, please God, Amir Hashem, the Shlach Kaddish in last week's parsha we mentioned, says, Api Hashem yachanu v'api Hashem yiso is the mucker for saying, Amir Hashem, God willing. Shlach Kaddish writes on last week's parsha, that is the source that before a Jew undertakes any activity, we say, God willing. I'm going to the Amun God willing. Then I'm having lunch, God willing. I gotta go to work, God willing. I'm gonna do the laundry, God willing. I gotta drive carpool, God willing. I have a flight to catch, God willing. Amir Hashem. Api Hashem Yachanuvi, Api Hashem Yiso. Everything we do, we say, Api Hashem, God willing. Mirz Hashem, Be'ezrus Hashem. So on the one hand, we shouldn't be shy or ashamed or embarrassed or hesitant or apologetic to invoke Hashem's name. We're going to repair and transform His world through His name and by being Marbek Fod Shemayim, by unapologetically screaming it from the rooftops on the one hand. On the other hand, in a business meeting, you don't have to start proselytizing. In a business meeting, or you're interviewing for a job, you don't have to start sharing the Bible codes. You don't have to become all on the offensive and aggressive with it. But you shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed at all of who we are to wear a yarmulke or to dress visibly like an observant Jew or to make a bracha, to make an ashiyatzar, to offer a shmona esrei, to do whatever you have to do. To do whatever you have to do. Rak ma'u ratzon what other people think about you is none of your business. The only, the only opinion that we care about is, we of course care about our loved ones, our family, but Hashem, ma'u ratzon habore. What does God want from me in this moment? What's the right thing to do right now? What's the right thing in the here and now? Davenir, say this bracha now. 
do this, go there, say that, wear this. What does he want from me in this moment? And if your entire life is guided and informed by what does God want, do I meet God's approval? What is Hashem saying about me? Then you'll fall away. It won't bother you and you won't care. And that's how you transcend and rise above this world. Everyone else can have amateur hour. We're, we're professionals. And as professionals, we're living in a different dimension. You could be analyzing the world down there. You could be listening to all the political pundits talking about the primaries and politicians. But I'm living somewhere else. I'm living in a place of Altiv Tichub and Adivim. I'm living in a place of Lev, the, the heart, Lev Malachim Biyad Hashem. The heart of the politicians are in the hands of... I'm, I'm living in a... I'm seeing the world and I'm interpreting it entirely differently. You know, you, others are counting statistics and data and they're looking at trends and history and they're subject to nature. Ain Mazali Israel. We're just living a different world and a different life. And that's how you rise above. What's the panemius? What's the panemius of what's happening? So there's a war in Ukraine. There are missiles in Steyrot. There's former presidents getting indicted. Current presidents maybe will or should be indicted. There's all kinds of things happening around us. There's a virus. There's a pandemic. There's a, you never know. There's smog covering the tri-state area of New York. Who knows what's happening in this world? From one moment to the next, we never know. How do I interpret it? How do I understand it? Everyone else sees what's on the surface, but a yid goes right to the panemius. A Jew goes right to the kishkas of it. What's the lesson? What's the message? What am I seeing? What's happening here? The panemius, the essence, the core, whether it's in thought, whether it's in speech, whether it's in action. And all the distractions fall away, and all the personal biases fall away, and all the arrogance and ego, don't get drawn in to the narishkeit. Rise above this world. Be living the pnimius. What's the avoda of each thing that you see and that you experience and that you hear? How is it meant to inform and transform who we are? What's my mission? What's my job? What do I do with this information? What do I do with this observation? Where does it leave me? That's all. What does Hashem want from me? What does Hashem want from me in this moment? Do what's right and what's just in the eyes of Hashem. That's ultimately what it's really all about. You don't always know. Because we have Dalar Chalke Shulchan Aruch, we have the four volumes of the Shulchan Aruch where Hashem dictates specifically our conduct, He regulates our behavior. But we have the proverbial fifth chalik of Shulchan Aruch. When something doesn't fall into the first four and we have to just try to intuit, what does Hashem want from me? So how will you know how to answer that? What does Hashem want from me right now? I once wrote an article. It wasn't popular with so many. But sometimes, you know, an airline has a glitch where all of a sudden they made a mistake. There's a computer glitch. Not just an airline, there was once a jeweler and the online jewelry had a glitch and you could get something worth an enormous amount for a fraction of it. So what's the ethic of spreading that everywhere you know, far and wide? Texting the world quickly, go on and buy the ticket because there's a glitch before they discover it, before they fix it. So you could get into the halacha, gazalakum and the this and the that. And you could get into all the halacha. And my article simply said, do you think Hashem is smiling down on you right now if you're taking advantage of somebody else's sorrow? I know that people, you know, they do it on purpose, the marketing makes it all worth it. It's, uh, let's assume they don't. 
If it were your brother, if your brother had a business and something happened in the IT department and there was a marketing glitch and it mislabeled a bracelet that was $100,000 and it sold it for 1000 and everybody went online and bought it and now your brother lost a ton of money, would you also be texting it to everybody you know? If it was your brother's business? So, again, I don't want to distract you by debating it because it is subject to debate. I'm not telling you I have the only opinion of it. But my point in that article was years ago was at least inserting into the conversation the question of what does Hashem want you to do right now? What would make Hashem proud? What would put a smile on his face? What would give nachas ruach to the boreolam? What does he want me to do? So everything I do, every choice, every simcha I plan, every trip I take, the vacation of where I'm going to go and that destination and what will be the activities and what will be my wardrobe and what will be I exposed to, every decision, what will give nachas ruach to Hashem? What will make him happy? What will pull a smile on his face? I'm living a different life, living in a different dimension. I'm living to the panemius and the avoda of everything. What will make Hashem happy? What does He want from me in this moment? What does He want me to take out of this meeting? How does He want me to plan this experience, this event, this life, this next choice? That should be... So how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? So the Briskarov, when the Briskarov passed away, and his nephew, of Soloveitchik, gave a hespit for the Briskarov. He spoke about, there are different relationships people have to Torah. There's a relationship of casual dating. There's a relationship of Eresin, of being engaged, betrothed. And there's a relationship of Nesuin, you're married to Torah. Married to Torah. So when I was dating Yocheved, I'm going to pick on her because she's not here today. When I was related, when I was dating Yocheved, I, I started to get to know her. And I thought I knew her pretty well. We had marathon phone calls and dates. Baruch Hashem was wonderful from the go. And I thought I got to know her, but I, I, looking back, barely knew her. And if somebody would have said, does your wife want the chocolate or the vanilla? Would she prefer this vacation, that vacation? Would she read this book or that book? I was just getting to know her and just dating. I don't know if I could have answered. And when we were engaged, we knew each other even better. We made a commitment. We had dreams of the life that we were going to live and build and where we'd live and, and so on. And I thought I knew her better, but... But now, we're married 26 years, and I still probably barely know her. I'm sure at our 50th anniversary, I'll say, 25 years ago, 24 years ago, I barely knew her. <coughs> but now, I could finish her sentences and she could finish mine. Now she'll start saying something with no context. I should have no idea what she's talking about. I know exactly who, what, where she's talking about. Because you're married, you come to know somebody that well, that long, that deeply, you could finish their sentence. You, you don't have to be, they could not be there at the restaurant yet. You know exactly what to order for them. Yes. You know exactly where they want to sit on the plane. You know exactly what book they want to read. You know exactly, you, you could finish their sentence. So Soloveitchik said about his uncle, the more Torah you learn, the more Torah you know, the more intimate you have a relationship with Torah, the more we can trust you to finish Hashem's sentence. How do we know the Ratzon Hashem? How do you know when Hashem didn't tell it to us? It doesn't appear in the Shechon it doesn't appear in the Torah, it doesn't appear in the Halacha. How do you know what He wants us to do? The answer is, who are you going to trust? ChatGBT? Google? Somebody who's just been introduced to Torah? Somebody who doesn't know which way to hold the safer up or down? Someone who can't make a laning on a Gemara and never finished a Masechta? Someone who barely knows Hashem, that's who you're going to trust to finish his sentence? Or are you going to trust the person who lives and sleeps and dreams and 24-7 is in conversation with Hashem. Who are you going to trust? That's what the Rav was talking about. Who are the Balei Hamasora? And the greatness of his uncle, the Brisker Rav, and a Gadol B'Yisrael is somebody who so lives 
and knows and is immersed in his intimate relationship with Hashem's Torah, he's the one that we trust to finish Hashem's sentence. So the more that we learn Torah and live Torah, the more we can be trusted and trust ourselves to try to finish his sentence, the Ratzon Hashem. But the most important thing is to always ask ourselves. Sometimes we'll hit that wall. I don't know. Then we go to a briskerov of our generation. You go to the person who can finish Hashem's sentence and say, I have a problem. I don't know what to do. I don't know what will make him happy. I don't know what will give him nachas. Can you help me finish Hashem's sentence? Because I don't know what he wants me to do. Help me finish Hashem's sentence for me. I don't know what the right choice is here. So you go to somebody who knows him really well. But sometimes we can finish that sentence. But we have to start by asking that question. And how many people do? How many people ask themselves, what kind of a simcha should I plan? What should it look like? Where should I go on vacation? Should I take this job? What does Hashem want? Should I order this thing? Should I take advantage of this glitch? Should I tell the world about it? What will give Hashem nachas ruach? What's asisa hayasher v'atov? What is the righteous and just thing? What is it that Hashem wants me to do? That's the question we have to always ask ourselves. Tonight behind the beam of Tzvi Gluck, the founder and CEO of Amudim, an amazing organization. He's an incredible person with endless energy on the front lines of taking care of the Jewish people. Well worth tuning in. That's tonight, 9 o'clock. Next week, Shir is on Monday, not Wednesday. I'll remind you of that. If you haven't listened to the song, listen. And we'll, we'll post some more bonus material just to keep you all honest in the WhatsApp group. And until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.